Welcome to Tea Time. This is a weekly pop culture podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Hallowell. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. And today we're checking in with some April streaming recommendations. It's been a while. Um, (laughs) Josie and the Pussycats 20 years later and post-COVID travel plans. (laughs) It's coming. They're coming, you guys. Yeah. Guys, follow us on Twitter. We're at teatime underscore 33. And on Instagram, we're at teatimepod. Okay, before we get into the show, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, first category. Tea Time is checking in with our April streaming recommendations. We are so close, but not out of the woods yet. Keep mostly staying at home if you can. So we're (laughs) providing you things to watch and to listen to to fill our time. I personally have been on a very weird journey revisiting old like Judd Apatow movies. And I think this is mostly just because I live with a boy and it was mostly his decision. But I have currently been rewatching Knocked Up, which is a fantastic movie, in my opinion. Pineapple Express, which is not really (laughs) my humor, but I did enjoy it. I think the one I'm least looking forward to is Super Bad. And the one I'm most looking forward to revisiting is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Do you guys have thoughts on Judd Apatow movies? Forgetting Sarah Marshall is so good. (laughs) So good. I do really like that movie. I have a question for you. So your anti-Paul Rudd stance historically (sighs) was formed in part because you didn't like sort of the Judd Apatow model of like the man-child who can't take care of himself. So has your stance on Judd Apatow and his characters changed along with your stance on Paul Rudd? So my stance on Paul Rudd has changed because I realized he is not to blame. He is just an actor who is following directions. <laughs> my problem still remains with Judd Apatow, which yes, I have not grown out of that. Revisiting this, I'm like, yeah, this is all still pretty shitty. Um, which is what my favorite, Knocked Up has a lot of heart in it. And I only mm-hmm. like the more emotional, heartwarming parts of it. Amelia, what are your thoughts on some of these movies? Do you like them? Hate them? I do like them. I think they're really funny. I agree. I think Sarah Marshall is really funny. I love mm-hmm. Superbad. Oh, you do? I do. I really Do you think they'll like I it? I why. only saw it once so long ago. I mean, some of the jokes are pretty juvenile, but yeah. um but I don't know. I think Jonah Hill is like so funny. I, I don't know why, him. but yeah, I agree. so funny. <laughs> um so he's he's just got really good comedic timing and I think people say that a lot about um Michael Sarah too. Um mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't know. It's just like I feel when you watch a Judd Apatow movie, you kind of know what you're going to get. And not that that's a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. It's it's a good thing. Like, it, yeah. they're funny movies. So I'm excited for you. I don't know if this is off or on brand, but I think my favorite movie of all time is This Is The End, which is like extremely Ugh, immature. Time? Top two or three. Wow. <laughs> it's really wow. good. So anyway, yeah, I contain multitudes, as Kate likes to say. <laughs> you but, do. Um, you sure do. Anyway, that's my like streaming journey this month. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Kate, what do you got? Uh, so we have some very like self-indulgent recommendations. This is just a tea time streaming update per se. Um, <laughs> I, I don't talk about K-pop that often on this podcast, certainly not as often as I want to. But I wanted to break my rule this week and tell you guys what I'm watching, which is 
there's a series of like competition shows that Mnet, which is like a Korean broadcast station, uh, has been doing for the past couple of years. And they're called, the first one was called Queendom. And right now I'm watching Kingdom. So what they are is they take these K-pop groups, like real active K-pop groups, and they compete against each other and do like performances and stages and covers. And like, there are no eliminations, like no whatever. They just like, you know, they perform each other's songs. They perform like new songs, et cetera. And I was like, how do I illustrate how fun this is to watch to non-K-pop fans? So to explain, Queendom was all girl groups. And it was all like active girl groups, like some really famous, some less famous. So just to illustrate, this is what like a US version or like a Western version of the show would look like. So this is what you would have in like the hypothetical international Western queendom show. So all of these groups would be competing against each other every week. Fifth Harmony, Spice Girls, Little Mix, the Pussycat Dolls. And then there's always like, <laughs> like an older group that like has kind of fallen out of like relevance or like a, a member of a former group. Like on Queendom, there was like a member of a group that had gone solo. So mm. for those purposes, I'm pulling in Kelly Rowland. So <laughs> oh, wow. the, it's, it's the K-pop equivalent of that, basically. So it's, what's so fun about it is like you would have like, you know, uh, what's the Pussycat Girls? Nicole Scherzinger? Mm. You would have like her doing a duet with Kelly Rowland. And then you would have Ooh. like Normani and Camila Cabello the next wow. week. And it's just really fun to like see them become friends and like there's some drama Ooh. or whatever, but it's just fun. It's like these people that you know, like know who each other are, but like don't mm-hmm. really interact. And like you get to like, you know, the vocalists compete and the dancers compete and it's like this whole thing. So if you're a K-pop fan, highly recommend. Kingdom is, is airing now and it's obviously boy groups. So it would be like, you know, mm. One Direction versus NSYNC. Uh, oh or like Joey, Joey Fatone <laughs> versus Zayn or something. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. It's very like, you know, kind of pure hearted. It's just mm-hmm. like for the sake of, of Interesting. entertainment. This premise kind of reminds me of, do you remember the Disney Channel games where they're obviously not, they <laughs> yes! were actually competing? Like Amelia, in athletic yes. stuff. Yeah. Right, that is the appeal of it is it's like these people who all kind of like work in the same industry and you always wanted to like know what their friendship dynamic is it's like. It's like yes. the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe appeal yeah. where it's all the crossover. Wow. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So okay, it's, I would say it's not for like the non-K-pop fan, but if sure. you are a fan of like any of the groups or especially a couple of the groups, super fun. Okay. Um, so yeah, nice. that's what I'm into now for any mm-hmm. K-pop listeners. And then I have a question. Speaking of competition shows, uh, as you know, I was very into the Great British Bake Off and I've been trying mm-hmm. to find similar viewing. And I had no idea that so many people were so into Top Chef. Like, is this mm. a new thing? Has it always been like this huge, like Top Chef, whatever, came back like last week, the week before. And The Ringer had like three or four podcasts like covering, <laughs> like they moved so that they could cover Top Chef yeah. on Friday. And I just had no idea that Top Chef culture was such a thing. Is that new? Am I just, do I, it's are crazy. people bored? I have not engaged in the Top Chef discourse. I'm more of like a beat Bobby Flay if I'm going to watch some mm. cooking type show. But who right. here watches it? Kaya, do you? Amelia, do you? No. Kaya, don't you watch Top Chef or you just work on the watch? On the yeah, I, I just started watching it this season because Chris and Andy are so excited. So I was like, <laughs> I guess I'll get into it. Like I love yeah reality tv i've been loving competition shows shout out survivor so <laughs> <laughs> so what's the hook what like what I what mean, is the hook padma lakshmi is in it she's cool she's great and like i get <laughs> i'm like in theory into like the competitive cooking show like it's fine mm-hmm. again you know i always this is always my thing there's like too many mean people Sure. <laughs> like I if they're mean to each other I don't want to watch it so yeah. that's what I worry about is is a the judges being mean and not in a playful way like on Bake Off and b <laughs> the contestants being mean to each other I fear that I fear that they're not that mean to each other Padma is okay mean but in a funny way okay. like she like okay. this one guy on the first episode that I watched this guy had like really tall hair <laughs> and Padma's like, what is going on with your hair? Oh, okay. I'm okay with that. Wow. Some light ribbing. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll, yeah. I know my mom is really into it. Maybe I'll mm. try it to watch it with her for like, you know, the sake of bonding. And maybe, maybe, like I'll, it, maybe I'll listen to the watch and then I'll be like really all in on Top Chef right. in a couple of weeks. And I'll so be like, who was she? Is, is it like, is it like the great British Bake Off where they all have to bake something or cook something and then they get eliminated week by week essentially yes. right to, yeah. from my understanding yes i've never seen great british bake-off but 
Kaya. from the one episode of Top Chef that I watched, <laughs> someone cooked a dish and it was bad. And then Ooh. he got sent home. <laughs> oh. That makes sense. Like who is yeah. the top chef that, right. you know, yeah. the title lends itself <laughs> to a singular logical. chef. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll report back on my Top Chef journey. Keep us Please do. Thank you. Um, next one is a music streaming recommendation. And Ooh. I swear this is not an ad. However, I wanted to plug. <laughs> I feel like over the last year, we've talked on and off about my ebb and flow workout journey, um, which ebbs and it flows a lot. Anyway, back in and I'm doing cardio for my new trend. I wow. keep up with something for like two weeks at a time. Now I'm trying <laughs> cardio. I will say the Spotify cardio playlist is just like from the app itself. Has 100 okay. songs. It's like over five hours. It is so good. And it also skips right to the fun part of every song. You know how like in some of those pump up music, like before the beat jobs, you're just like running to just pretty much nothing and you want to die. It literally skips all that. And it's like essentially the main chorus and beat drop of every popular fun dance song. So you can never really feel like, you know, the lows of the song. It's incredible. Wait, they can do that? Yeah. I don't know how. It's amazing. And then if you like skip a song, it just skips again to the fun part of the song. (laughs) Never get the shitty at the beginning. Not shitty. I shouldn't. Music is important. But (laughs) the beginning and the end, which is harder to run to. We should have them somehow do that to tea time where like you can just skip to like the mass singer and cringe mode. I was just going to say just, the like, mass skip singer. the other stuff. Oh, yes, oh my that's God. very true. So check that out if you guys need some pump up music to work out in. Um, Amelia, what are your streaming recommendations? Well, I just I just do want to preface this. This week on The Mass Singer, it was freaking <laughs> Nick Cannon who got unmasked. Which Wasn't was he just the host? Like, yes, but he had to be out for COVID <laughs> reasons and they had Niecy Nash um, filling in and she was great. I really loved her. And then they gave him, it was such a lame costume. It was just him in a tracksuit and a, a mask from Party City. And he was just like, it's me. And what? Was, I just, I know, it was so stupid. Wow. So it's fine. Whatever. This time, <laughs> disappointing. Anyway, um, you know, a couple nights ago, I was looking, I was like, I don't know what I want to watch. And I found this documentary that was on Netflix and it was from like a year ago and it's called Made You Look, which is um, which is a great name. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Uh, And it's about art forgery. And it was. Yeah, it's all about it's a tight 90 and it Mm, is about the. one of the largest art forgery scandals in history. And some people say it's like the largest. And it takes a look at this gallery called the Nodler Gallery, which is a super old like art institution in New York City. And now they don't exist anymore because of this whole scandal. But um, it's just it's this wild ride of these forgeries of like this. Some random man was creating Works that looked a lot like Jackson Pollock, and how huh. hard could that be? Let's face <laughs> it. <laughs> of all That's the people true. to pick, I'd pick Jackson Pollock. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Me too. No, me too. Well, it's interesting because he focuses on that kind of mid-century contemporary art, which is very. You know, I mean, like, I understand why people think it's nice, but also Mm -hmm. it's like it isn't that hard to recreate. It's like Mm -hmm. two blocks (laughs) or in the case of Jackson Pollock, you just, you know, put a lot of paint. Although actually maybe it's harder because Jackson Pollock, it's like very random. Yeah. So like you can't splatter it in the exact same way. I take it back. Jackson Pollock would be difficult. (laughs) (laughs) But there were other examples where it was just like, are you serious? Um, But anyway, and they swindled people out of millions of dollars. And there was Mm. an interesting point in the documentary where they're like, the gallery owner was Michael Hammer who is Army Hammer's <gasps> father. Yes. And he oh. was using it as his personal piggy bank. And <gasps> it's it's wild. It was just like, oh my God, Army Hammer is tangentially involved in all of this. Whoa. And like, yeah, it's very, it's a very interesting doc. So if you're into art, you know, <laughs> yeah. Or Army Hammer, yeah. Wow, all right. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like very much into art forgery. Like sometimes I just... I don't know. I'm very weird in that. Like sometimes I focus on something and I can't mm. like stop the hyper fixation of quarantine. Yes. Yeah, we've all what been a there. corner for you, Amelia. Never Thank you. I, yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Amelia, get, Amelia gets arrested in like ten years for art <laughs> forgery, and they're like, it all started here. 
<laughs> Truly. Um, and then I've been doing like the weekly watch with my parents. Uh, we love this show called Tough as Nails. And honestly, I it's a reality competition show. But I think, Kate, you could watch it because everyone on the show is so nice. They are all it's like mm. great British Bake Off people, but they're blue collar workers who do these blue collar tasks every week like this past week they had to like put drywall on a frame a house frame and then they like they've had to carry these slime eels to Uh. a bin it's just like a lot of really random work like that um but they're all very they're just like so nice salt of the earth people and they all have like these blue collar nicknames like there's like eyebrows and swifty <laughs> and knuckles like swifty <laughs> but it's like it's such a it's a very i don't know it's it's it's, a, it's obviously a competition and they want to win but they're so supportive of each other and then you also Aww. admire them for being just like so hard working you see the sweat dripping off their faces. It's like, I watch this and I'm like, I want to build a piping system too. Um, <laughs> and then I've changed my mind. But uh, it's by the guy who does The Amazing Race. I think his name mm. is Phil mm. Keough. Uh, he hosts it and stuff. It's it's very nice. Cool. And then also, I've been we've been watching Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which, you know, it's a bit of a slow burn. <laughs> and for whatever reason, Disney Plus has decided with their shows, with their original content to not do a batch and just release it. But mm-hmm. they've decided to do week by week by week. And that it, bugs me. It yeah. is really tough sometimes. Yeah. It's Netflix, really tough. Netflix trained us to get used to the binge model. And I just, it's hard for me to go back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And for some shows, I think it does work. Like I, I feel like black, not black widow, but uh, the one, the red, Witch one, what was WandaVision? It? Thank you. I already <laughs> forgot the name. That's really sad. Um, <laughs> it works for that. Cause that's like compelling mm-hmm. and, you know, suspenseful, but this one is just like it's slow it's slow Mm -hmm. and you have to wait to build up the characters and the main guy Gordon Bombay who is big in the other three movies is still kind of a non-factor and like I love (laughs) Lauren Graham and I think she's so likable but it's so it's just it's hard it's Mm, really hard yeah very so tough. would you recommend it or is this just what we're watching this month (laughs) yeah you know what grad that's thank you for pointing that out um I think you can skip it for now, but wait like maybe three more weeks. There you go. Yeah. And then okay. watch it. Watch it and in a bath. Good idea. Right. Yeah. Smart. Mm-hmm. Amelia, I'm proud of us. We did not mention the S word one time in this category. Oh I mean, given Kaya that did. Kate. Kaya oh, mentioned it. Right. <laughs> she well, just said, we'll, yay. Survivor we'll try show. again next All right. week. <laughs> okay. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, 
visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Next category, it's our mashup. It's relationship news, not worth the tea. And this week in social media, pretty short category, very slow week. Uh, Kate, what yeah. do you got? All right. So on Twitter this week, uh, some Bridgerton casting news had a lot of people sharing a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the big news is that Reggae Jean Page, who played the Duke that everyone was obviously obsessed with and thirsting over on Bridgerton, <laughs> uh, will not be returning for season two. So Wild. you know, the first reaction was like, this is horrible. Why would I watch if he's not on it? Which was also my knee-jerk reaction as well. But then, you know, all this other stuff came out. People were like, he's not even really in the next book. Like, he would be barely in the season. Which my reaction was like, okay, write him in. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but, you know, day by day, people just kept being like, you know, people came, I think the Hollywood Reporter came out and they were like, they offered him $50,000 per guest episode. And it's wow. kind of turned into like, kind of shaming him and like why did who does this guy think he is like why didn't he return to the show that like made him a thing and this is what i would like to say he's a superstar he is the most attractive human to walk the earth probably (laughs) and he's probably gonna go play fucking james bond or something or he's gonna be an avenger like so can we relax like he knows his worth he's barely in the next season he's gonna leave the boring bridgerton boy Mm -hmm. who is the star of the next season to just fend for himself Mm -hmm. and like it's fine like let him go be an avenger or something you know like he has there are bigger things for him and we just need to relax and get over it that's how i feel i mean i love that but also i just you know i'm I'm worried for him him. i'm worried for him though because misha barton anyone remember that Yes. I, I well, Barton, but two of a kind, two of a kind. Yeah, yes, so very true. similar, very similar. <laughs> oh my god, it's true. I mean, there's like the Dan Stevens, uh, Downton oh. Abbey thing that people were talking about. But I just like, I feel like you know that he's going to be a superstar. Mm. Um, he's already hosted SNL. Like, I just feel right, like his trajectory is so steep that like he just doesn't need Bridgerton anymore. I wish he would be on it. I will miss him. I may not watch the next season. Which actually, my point being. They just need to cast another sexy new superstar to be the love interest for the (laughs) guy. You know, like that's what we need to do. We need to pull in a girl now who's like incredible, has the most beautiful face ever created, incredible sex appeal. And then like she can be the superstar of the next season. We can be obsessed with her and then she can leave and be a star like that needs to be. We don't need to account on anyone who's already on the show to carry this. We need to bring in someone else uh, to fill his shoes. That's how I feel. (laughs) That's fair. Speaking of Bridgerton <laughs> slash SNL, you mentioned it first. It's a perfect time to talk about some really big news in Pete Davidson's life, which is that he moved out of his mom's basement uh, finally, Yay! which is like really exciting. <laughs> um, he Yeah, he was living in Staten Island with his mom for the last year. He's done like a lot of videos and content around his basement level living situation, which was working out really well, but he is moving onwards and upwards. He moved out of his yeah, mom's yeah. house. He paid $1.2 million to now be in a condo on the North shore of Staten Island. So actually mm. still on Staten Island, which I'm kind of surprised by, but maybe he, I think he really likes Staten Island and he probably wants to get out of Manhattan, you know, bustling city. <laughs> sure. Not I've been there like five times, but um, <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at photos of his condo. I'll send it to you guys now. It's currently maybe owned by someone who's not like Pete Davidson. Very colorful. The walls are like purple mm. and pink and all that wow. stuff. But yeah, it's like a cute two bed, two and a half bath, you know, great skyline. And we're just really happy for Pete Davidson, you know, moving onwards and upwards. Right? Guys? This is this is the trajectory that I'm uh, manifesting for myself when I move out of my parents' house. <laughs> this, where I've been living this past year. I would also like to spend $1 million on a condo. Maybe not on Staten Island, but it's like yeah. from, you know, parents' house to your own place. Yeah. That's, yeah. Good for him. That's where we're going, right, right, Amelia? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Following in the footsteps of Pete Davidson. Yes. <laughs> okay. What else do we got? Kate. 
Uh, Taylor Swift, uh, this is going to be airing on a Friday. So today, mm. Taylor Swift dropped her Fearless re-release where she re-recorded all of her songs from Fearless. She added a few songs from the vault. Um, mm. So this is going to be old news in Taylor Swift land. But because we're recording on a Thursday, I want to talk about the song she released this week, which is called Mr. Perfectly Fine. And it's about Joe Jonas. Everyone knows it's about Joe Jonas. That's who she was dating at the time. Mm. It's very obvious. The lyrics are just scathing at times. Um, And it's a good song. It's my favorite of her recent releases, I would say. Uh, Very catchy. And so Sophie Turner, who we love, who I miss Mm. talking about actually a lot on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I miss her like relatable chaos. She posted the song on Instagram, the Spotify link. And she said, it's not not a bop. Which just calls to mind a beautiful image of Sophie Turner, new mom, just like bopping around her house to Mr. Mm-hmm. Perfectly Fine. <laughs> Joe just like trying to eat his cereal at the breakfast table. Just like, God damn it. Um, <laughs> so people were obviously loved this. Uh, they were tweeting about it. They were like, Sophie Turner is a Swifty first and Joe Jonas's wife second. And I just really enjoy that she's just like the most successful fangirl. Like she has Mm -hmm. never been quiet about being a Jonas Brothers fan before she married Joe Jonas. She (laughs) is not quiet about being a Taylor Swift fan, despite the fact that she married Joe Jonas. And yeah, so she like, you know, Taylor Swift sent them baby presents for, I believe, is it Willa? Is that the baby's name? Um, Yeah, that's what it's expected And then she has, you know, the lyrics in Invisible String where she's like, for the boys who broke my heart, now I send their babies presents. Like people are bringing that back. Yeah. So Taylor responded to Sophie. She was like forever bending the knee for the Queen of the North. Classic (laughs) Game of Thrones reference. Um, And yeah, I just love Sophie Turner. I just was so happy to see her her, uh, on my feed again. I miss her. I agree. I agree. On my feed is something (laughs) a little different, but I really want to talk about it. It's been around actually for a while. This is not a new Instagram account, but like it makes its waves on Instagram and then TikTok picks it up and like reacts to the Instagram and then blows Mm -hmm. up there too. And I'm talking about the Instagram siblings are dating. And I'm actually really shocked we have not touched on this yet in this pod. This feels like really ripe for tea time picking. So it's self-explanatory, but it essentially takes photos of either a couple or a pair of siblings puts it out there and you vote if you think that they're siblings or if you think they're dating. And it's confusing, really confusing because their faces are really close to one another or they have an identical face and they're dating (laughs) or the guy's arm is a little low, but they're Mm -hmm. siblings. It's all kind of, it's uh, yeah, not as obvious as you think it would be. Apparently I'm looking at this Instagram. You say you can email a photo of yourself or get permission from the people that you're posting, which is good because this would be like really humiliating if you had no say over whether yeah, you were like yeah. voted on. Um, anyway, it has about like a, almost a million followers on Instagram. And then again, TikTok picks it up and just like, you know, reacts to it as well. And they're really funny videos. What are your guys' thoughts on the siblings or dating Instagram? I've seen a lot of TikToks on this. There are some very <laughs> funny people who like will show it to their spouse and their spouse every time is like, oh my God, like this is killing me inside. But yeah. I think you can actually hack it. Like if they look alike, then they're probably dating. If the hand <laughs> placement, if the hand placement is questionable, they're probably siblings. That's like, trolling. They, they really yeah. try to, they try to play like these two. I'm looking at these two that are like cuddled up on a pool floor. I know they're going to be dating. Let's see. Oh, actually they're, they're sibling. Oh, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see the one you're talking I about. I confused myself. But yeah, so like if they're in a pose that looks like like a prom pose or like yeah. they're just like too close at a club, like they're yeah. probably siblings. Or um, you know what? On the other <laughs> hand, the pose could go all the way around and be like, it's a two people like back to back like this and they're dating or like they're, right. you know, posing yeah. really far apart really <laughs> awkwardly and they're also dating, right. which I don't really I think know how to pose either. It's, but. Count, it's counterintuitive. So yes. like they try to throw you off and yeah. try to horrify you. Yeah. And unfortunately yes. it does work. <laughs> so some of these It are, gets me every time. Really I just can, I don't know. I know that I'm going to be tricked and then I, I still am. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. puzzling. It's easy to overthink it. Oh, yeah, Amelia, have really you browsed funny. siblings or dating? I yeah. have. I mean, I remember looking at this like a long time ago because mm-hmm. I feel like there was like a Tumblr when you remember when Tumblr was really <laughs> yeah. big, um, right. devoted to it. And I don't and I know some people who've not necessarily like 
submitted themselves, but like, you know, you've seen could? so many captions on, <laughs> but could, yeah, on Instagram and just oh, yeah, like, everyone knows some people. Yeah, mm-hmm. who just like look like, you know, they could be siblings, but they're actually dating, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, so you guys check that out if you're curious. Um, and then lastly, Amelia, <laughs> hush, Amelia, what do you got? Um, this will be really quick, but uh, the new Powerpuff Girls reboot was spotted filming and Oh my God. Uh, yikes. That's all I have to say about, <laughs> I, no offense. I mean, I think it could be fine. I just think they should have left it as a cartoon. Um, the outfits are like someone just went to a wardrobe department and was like, here's some two pieces of fabric. Can you make a Powerpuff Girls outfit mm. out of this? I mean, they are just $5 bin at Do you think Sears. that's a purposeful, like I I saw these and were immediately like, they're going to be like making some sort of like self-referencing joke. Like I feel like, oh, maybe I feel like these aren't the real things and they're going to be I like go not. to a party and dress up as something and like be in these costumes. It's hard I, to imagine them I'm are, like, earnestly wearing these. That's that, you know, what, you may you have a really good point. I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah. I mean, I guess we never know. It could be, it, you, yeah, I imagine yeah. it will be bad, but that would be my guess. But who knows? Who and knows? Honestly, I kind of would like someone to like kind of lean into the more costumey parts of it. Like, I don't want them yeah. fighting crime in black leather jackets. That's not the power. No, of sure. Right. That's that is definitely true. And I just think it's interesting. It's so it's. It's a CW, I guess, show. Maybe they, it obviously has not been, you know, 100% like we're doing it, but they're filming the pilot. And I just, you know, I appreciate CW really leaning into these comic book kind mm-hmm. of genres. And um, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about one right yeah, now. Yeah, great but, yeah. Yeah. transition, Amelia. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Shall we? Shall yes. we do this? Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Next category is Cringe Mode, Josie and the Pussycats, a 2001 classic. It's the anniversary this month, so we're covering it. We're discussing. Kate, want to take us through the plot? Josie and the Pussycats, I had never seen this movie, which is a crime, honestly. Once I watched it, I was like, how had I never seen this? Wow. Um, So Josie and the Pussycats is based on the characters from the Archie comics. It was like the Riverdale, like predecessor, basically. And there's this girl band led by Josie, uh, played by Rachel Lee Mm -hmm. Cook. And they get recruited basically by this, like these evil villains sort of masquerading (laughs) as a record label. And this record label wants to take over the world by influencing the minds of teens via subliminal messaging. (laughs) Uh, And so they do this via pop stars. So they had this boy group that they had been like putting subliminal messages in their pop songs. The boy group like was onto them, figured it out. So they crashed their plane. Uh, so they needed a new group. They pick up Josie and the Pussycats from the small town of Riverdale. You know, there's some drama. They want to push Josie as the front woman. Her friends are sad about it. It's Tara Reed and uh, Rosario Dawson, who are the uh, the other members of the group whose names I don't know, which is probably why they wanted Josie <laughs> to be the lead. <laughs> um, and yeah, ultimately, they defeat sort of the evil corporation and everyone, you know, gets to be themselves and love the music they love. Nice. Good job. The other two are Melody and Valerie, FYI, but we Couldn't probably will call them Tara Reed and Rosario Dawson. If you okay. paid me. <laughs> okay, let's do some highlights. Kate, what do you got? I really liked the like self-referential, like fourth <laughs> wall breaking of mm-hmm. this movie. I initially like barely even knew that it was from like the Archie comic books until I saw the Riverdale sign pop. And then I was like, oh, right. Um, <laughs> but the movie is like, it just kind of is is happy to make fun of itself. So mm-hmm. uh, the first time is when Missy Pyle is on the plane with them. And she's like kind of <laughs> this very side character. She's like the brother's girlfriend. And someone goes like, why are you even here? And she goes, I'm here because I was in the comic book, which yeah. is just mwah, classic. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the movie, you know, the whole thing is, again, about like putting subliminal messages in songs and in pop culture. And at one point, they're talking about subliminal messaging and how they're pivoting from because the pop music thing didn't work. They're going to pivot to movies because they found that subliminal messaging in movies is more effective. Uh, and at that exact point, like words pop up on the screen that say Josie and the Pussycats is the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) And then it goes away. And I was like, that was great. Oh, that was good. Um, So yeah, I found it very fun, very playful. Yeah, I agree. I think the whole consumerism and subliminal messaging (laughs) thing, it it was so, I don't know, it was done in such a way that was like really funny and they poked fun at it. And they, it wasn't like totally overt that this is bad. It was, 
I don't know. They just did it in a, a way or in a tone that made it like fun to watch and not like mm-hmm. I've been hit over the head with this. And I remember watching this and like being really affected that like there's subliminal messaging in yes, me the too. music <laughs> I listened to for like two months. Um, that was a little scary, but uh, you know, all in all, good stuff. Yeah, it's a little spooky premise, which I will <laughs> talk about later. Um, also a highlight is there's a lot of really good montages. We always dock <laughs> movies when there's a perfect opportunity to do a montage. This movie capitalized on all of them. There's like five separate montages. <laughs> and then also like there's like music videos kind of in the middle. Again, very yeah. entertaining. There's like Perfect. the makeover montage where they all, you know, get made <laughs> over to be like real pop stars. There's like photo shoot montages, montages of them blowing up and doing press and like on this crazy circuit. So really like it. And yeah, we just love a good montage at tea time. Yes. Love every it. time. What else is a highlight, Kate? Uh, the love interest for me, I'll talk about him in a minute. He did not do it for me. However, <laughs> there is one trope in this movie that works every fucking time. No matter how la- how horrible the love interest is, how lukewarm I am for him, it's the guy has to address adjust something at the back of the dress mm. and there's sexual tension while he does it. Trope. Yes. Uh, Josie's getting ready for this party. She's got this backless dress on that the label sent to her. The guy walks into the room, don't know his name, didn't bother to learn it. Uh, and <laughs> Alan she's M. like, Alan, Alan M. Why does he have a last initial? I don't, I don't know. Is it just like that it in the comments? I'm like, death. there's only one Alan. Why I, know, I think they know? explained it, but I don't remember. It's like he's on The Bachelor. Um, okay, so <laughs> he walks in. She's like, hey, there's like a chain that I can't get at the back of the dress, which I'm like, yes, Josie, there is. And so <laughs> he walks behind her. She's got this back with his like hands or, you know, hovering over her exposed back. She's staring forward. She's like, what's going on? He's like staring <laughs> at her neck, staring at her back, like ob- obsessing over her. Uh, very slowly does the chain. There's like awkward silence but it's like sexy awkward silence (laughs) and we see this all the time movies and tv shows do this constantly you know button up my dress zip up my dress put the Mm -hmm. necklace on me and i just want to say it's a banger and it's good every time. <laughs> Absolutely. Or on the flip side, it's like you adjust a tie or yes. a bow tie and you're like mm-hmm. real close and it's like, you know, inches away. I love that too. That's the sexual tension it hits every Ooh. time. It's palpable. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. totally. Amelia, what's uh, a highlight for you? Um, I, I know we're going to talk about the songs a little more in the lightning round, but I had this like a CD, like a compact disc. Me too. <laughs> yes, of this soundtrack. And I would play it a lot. And honestly, I... These songs are bangers. They um, are. They really are. Good. They're really good. And I <laughs> was watching this movie and I found myself like singing along because I remember the lyrics because the yes. songs are actually really good. They're fucking great. I did too. Those three small words, six long hours, five oh long days. Oh God. my God. Just all floods back they're to you. So good. They're so just good. like, they're catchy. The lyrics are fun. I mean, yes. I, I'm not, you know, freaking Robin Thicke on the mass Singer pretending that I know anything about music, but I <laughs> will say that I just... I will be adding them to my playlist. Like, I honestly watch this soundtrack become number one on my Spotify rap. Like, I'm predicting it now. Agreed. I'm almost kind of sad. And probably at the time, I thought they were like a legitimate pop group. It turns out none of them know how to play <laughs> instruments or sing. But just the suspension of disbelief, like mm-hmm. they could be a real pop girl group. They're freaking great. I love them. Okay, a highlight for me at the end of the movie. So like Kate said, they try to like actually kill this boy band that realized that all this shady stuff was happening. So they crashed their plane. And then you don't really, there's little touches of their presence, but you don't know exactly what or what happened or where they are. At the end of the movie, when Josie and the Pussycats are like fighting up against the <laughs> corporate over evil overlords, whatever, Dujour comes back from the shadows and they're like, beaten up like half of them are just like broken and they're in full body cast including the poor monkey that they travel Mm. with he's like in a body cast but the reveal that they are still alive and they're going to help take down the evil like music record label whatever is freaking great I love (laughs) that they survived that plane crash and it was just a great reveal having them come out of nowhere at the very end it's also really funny because, like, they very obviously, like, either couldn't get or didn't want to pay for the three biggest names in the boy band. So those are the ones that are, have the full body cast where you can't see their face. And That's then it's, like, so the true. one nameless Whoa. actor who does, like, all the talking. And the other three, it's, like, the guy from Buffy, 
uh, what's his face, and then the guy from Scrubs, and then another guy. <laughs> Neither of them. Donald Faison, um, uh, Brecken Meyer, and Seth Green. Thank you. God Appreciate bless. Appreciate it. A professional. Uh, but they like obviously like didn't want to pay them, I guess, for another scene. And so they <laughs> just are point. like all in full body cast and you can't see their faces. And then like the one rando is the one who's like speaks for du jour at the end. Wow. I thought that was a creative choice, but you always Same. tell me stay, stay on it. <laughs> nice. Oh. Um, okay. Last one, Amelia. Um, I just want to say quickly, justice for Rachel Lee Cook. You know, she was big Absolutely. in the late yeah. 90s, early 2000s. She is from Minneapolis, so I have to, I have no choice but mm. to stand. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I, uh, I'm upset. I'm happy that she is going to be in the new Netflix. He's all that. Um, oh, I didn't oh, know that. Oh, yeah, that would as, make sense. That would make sense. Uh, as what's her face's mom, but Addison Ray. Yes, which wow. honestly, I'd rather stare into the face of Satan for eternity <laughs> than watch Addison Ray attempt to act. But I would rather have Rachel Lee Cook just reprise her exact role and just pretend to be a teenager in high Same. school. <laughs> Same. Same. I know right. it's really it's a struggle, but. She's so cute. She's, she's, she's getting paid, so you guys. Cute. That's At true. least she's getting paid. At least she's That's getting true. paid. That is, you're 100% correct. Right. All right, let's do some lowlights. Kate, go ahead. I understand that the whole point of this movie is like the product placement. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's, I mean, it literally it's like the point of the movie is there's product placement everywhere. And like, that's how we, it's like very meta uh, mm-hmm. But it's like also real product placement in this movie, and it, like they're on a jet, and the jet plane is like all Target branded. She's in a hotel room, and the whole hotel room is McDonald's. Like the other hotel room is uh, like Maybelline or Revlon and or Target. something. And mm. Target is everywhere. McDonald's is everywhere. And like I get it, and like it's funny and it works. But I, after a certain point, I was like, okay, like it's, <laughs> Target paid you so much money to be in this movie, and like yeah. you're kind of like it works, but it's also like you're kind of going back on the whole point. Right. Of the movie, but it was funny and it's entertaining. Um, my other low light, like I mentioned above, love interest sucks. Like, did yeah. not <laughs> did not have an ounce of chemistry in his body, despite oh. the uh, back of the dress scene. I have only ever seen him on the failed ABC drama Revenge. He uh, looks like Joe oh. Alwyn to me. I thought he was. Oh him my for like god! One wow, but yeah, very, does. very tough, tough look for Joe Alwyn. <laughs> it's like if Joe Alwyn got stretched and also yeah. came from like. Like Southern Indiana, um, but uh, yeah, I just he was not it for me. Uh, apologies if he has stands out there. He seems like he's done a lot of television, so yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, not great. Agreed. There's also you know the three bandmates, uh, Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, and Rosario Dawson. This is like a real trope back in the day. And watching it again, I'm like, oh my god, it's so <laughs> terrible. There's like the one dumb, mostly typically blonde female character in the movie that is like so incredibly stupid and it's like played Mm. for laughs I think but like watching Tara Reid be because she's also had a shit time in Hollywood Amelia I'm sure you could speak more to this I know very little about it but I know she was like she had a tough go of it her character is just yeah played really stupid and and like really ditzy in the movie and it just like really doesn't work and it I don't know I'm sure I mean it worked back then yeah I agree it's like Karen Smith from Mean Girls following oh exactly. her. That was yeah. one of like I think the last times that hopefully it was done because it's just really not great yeah. to watch. It's but just yeah. so uncreative. Like okay. yeah, come on. Yeah, I agree. Well, she's got acting chops. I think give her yeah, give her something yeah. to work with. Yeah. Um, and then my last low light is you guys. There are some real thriller moments to this movie <laughs> that are very sinister. And I remember at the time watching it being kind of scared. There's a moment where like Tara reads in the shower and then this creepy, creepy music. And then she opens up the shower and there's a message that it turns out DeJour has written in lipstick <laughs> yeah. on the mirror. But it's like, beware of the music. And they kind of appear as shadows a little bit like throughout the movie. You don't know. What it, I mean, now watching it as an adult, you're like, okay, yeah. But I don't know, it was a little scary. And it was it was a pretty sinister movie at times. And I did not sign up for that. I kind of forgot. <laughs> that it was pure pop music movie and it was not. No. I fast I fast forwarded through the shower scene. <laughs> Kate, why? You've never even seen it. Well, as soon as I saw the shadowy figure in the scary music, I was like, <laughs> oh no. God. <laughs> Such a baby. <laughs> it's just a reflex. I don't even think about it. I'm like, I don't need this right now. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Okay. wow. okay, let's do what has aged the best and the worst, Kate. <laughs> what has aged the best? 
was Josie's haircut in this movie. <laughs> the red flipped out bob is the best extinct hairstyle of the aughts. And if TikTok is yes. going to bring anything back, I want them to bring <laughs> this back. It's just like the layered, classic layered bob, but like you have the little like straightener flicks that you would like mm, set with hairspray. Yes. And it's so cute and really fun and kind of like preceded Paramore, but like kind of the Paramore energy where it's like, I'm cool and hip, but I'm also cute and fun. Uh, and I just think, honestly, genuinely think it needs to come back. I would love to see the TikTok girls rocking this hairstyle. <laughs> Agreed. Bad for your ends, but good for us. <laughs> yes, true. Uh, speaking of TikTok, there are a bunch of girl bands on TikTok that have become like TikTok famous that are very much formed in like the Josie and the Pussycats mm. image. Like, the, you know, they've, I mean, and they're all, you know, very diverse, very like fun outfits, sort of like the rock punk music. But I'm, I, of course, don't have any at the top of my brain because I did so much preparation <laughs> for this podcast. Uh, but there are several that I follow and that I have on my my feed that just like are very much just like similar energy, have the fun lead singer, have the girl who does drums, the girl on guitar. (laughs) And it's great. We need to bring back the girl band. I agree. I agree. What else? Age the worst. There's just, it's just a 2001 movie and there's just like sort of the humor of the times in it. It's not that bad. It's definitely not as bad as some of the other 2000 movies we've watched. But like, you know, at the beginning, there's like a boy who's a fan of the boy band and he's like, uh oh well i see him as my brothers they're like my i love them like my brothers i'm like okay do we can we not shame the boy for liking a boy band and then it's like you know just stuff here and there and then at the end of the movie like the villains are exposed as like having all these insecurities about themselves and like Mm. there's the message is like you know be free to be you and like there are people out there for everyone blah blah blah. but also like they're like oh look at the freaks like the freaks found Mm -hmm. each other i'm like okay that kind of goes against (laughs) the whole message (laughs) that we were working towards uh which is, it's fine. It's not that bad. But there were a couple of times where I was like, oh, right. This was made in 2001. Yeah. So. Agreed. Oh, God. Amelia, what do you have? I just want to say, I forgot that this movie started out with like a whole du jour boy band scene where with the <laughs> fans and them singing and on the plane. But I just want to say that du jour did an amazing spoof of a boy band mm-hmm. 15 years before pop star never stopped stopping perfected it into an entire movie yeah it's kind of amazing i mean they predicted the justin bieber capuchin monkey bit um <laughs> yes uh, i know there are other parts to it as well you know how they're all trying to usurp each other and with like that was my look and i don't know it was mm-hmm. just it's very funny how yeah. how well they predicted boy bands you know? and also very believable if those oh, bands yeah. were not actual actors i could see them being in a legitimate boy band together <laughs> exactly. um okay what do you have for another best what's age the best um so i was looking at the wikipedia page of this movie and apparently it was a box office bomb uh when it was first released which i mean i can understand but it's too bad because <laughs> this movie actually really i in my opinion holds up you know, when you compare it to other movies released around this time or even like yeah. John Tucker Must Die. I mean, I was yeah. truly laughing during this film. Um, it's a cult favorite. It yeah. is. And that's what Wikipedia said. And I think, you know, people are finally seeing its genius. It's a really just a funny movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it was a ton of fun. Loved, I would have loved to see the songs in a movie theater. Blasting from yes. the speakers. Yeah, yeah it would have been a fun experience. Um also, it fits into this category because just like in the year 2021, it's an insane thought experiment to like picture her in this movie. But Beyonce auditioned for the role of Valerie, which went to Rosario Dawson. And but she was too like quiet and shy. And it was this the direct, wow. the casting director was looking for a comedic actress, whatever. I cannot. It's just so crazy to think that Beyonce now could have been in this role. Like just imagine the possibilities of like watching her in this movie. Wow. I would have I would have loved to watch her in this and then do like a dream girls like double feature (laughs) like her first like pop star role and then dream girls would have been great although Rosario Dawson is great she is great I just would have loved Beyonce as like a yeah I mean she was a pop star and she was kind of the third as opposed to she is kind of the Rachel Lee Cook right um right IRL. <laughs> she would have been the michelle in this movie bummer <laughs> we didn't get to see that bummer <laughs> okay and then just lastly again it has aged the best only because it's like a 2001 relic to say this sentence but tara reed and carson daly met on the set because he's in this movie for like five minutes and they started dating after and it's just to think about those two together brings me back to a time 
of a long, long wow. time ago. Um, it's just wild to think about. And That's so cute because their characters like get together kind of in the movie when he's like trying to kill her. Yeah. Yes. Weird movie. We don't need to explain why. (laughs) Uh, All right. Quickly, let's do MVPs. Kate, who is your MVP for this movie? Uh, My MVP uh, was in our last Cringe Month choice. We did not mean to do it this way, but it turned out to be Alan Cumming Month on Tea Time. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Listen, he was born to play like the campy, over-the-top villain, uh, both in Spy Kids (laughs) and in this movie. It's called Range. Uh, he has this hair, like horrible hair, (laughs) ridiculous accent. He is just like this really like gross, uh, music exec (laughs) who like, you know, takes advantage of these girls and like, you know, tries to conquer the world. And he's just great. It's just, he was born to do this. (laughs) I agree. He's so funny. I know he's really funny. funny. Give him more roles. He has the range. Oh my God. (laughs) As as Twitter Twitter has been saying this week, Alan Cumming always understands the assignment. (laughs) (laughs) He does. That's perfect. Oh my God. Amelia, who is your MVP? Writer, director team of Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. Uh, they did a great job. Uh, this movie, again, I I really don't have any bad things to say about this movie. Um, and I guess they also, I mean, they've done other stuff, but they worked together on Can't Hardly Wait before they did this movie. So mm-hmm. clearly they so know they the genre. <laughs> and, and that too. Yeah. They leveled up. Exactly. My MVP, Amelia, I know you will agree in some way, is just the music itself. Yes. It's great. Learned all the lyrics. I was just listening to it this morning just for yeah. kicks, and it's really good. That's my pick. Oh, Amelia, one last one. One <laughs> last pick for MVP from you. And what is also, it? On that note, too, the music. I There's a great sync that they do because it's not Rachel Lee Cook's voice, but I personally think she does a great job pretending that it's her voice. It fooled me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo. So do you remember the song at the end of 10 Things I Hate About You? I Want You to Want Me. It's that girl's voice where they, the girl and the band on top of the school where they're singing. Yeah, that's them. So Letters to Cleo is cool. Great Guys, speaking, speaking of the end of this movie, also the blooper reel. We love a blooper reel yeah. on Tea Time. Yeah. And they did the 2001 blooper reel. So love that. Yeah. yeah. All right, quickly, let's do the lightning round. What is the most 2001 thing about this movie, Kate? It's got to be the body glitter for me. Josie wore that body glitter all down her sternum and yeah. cleavage at this party, like a formal <laughs> yeah. party. And I was like, yeah, it's 2001. Yeah. Amelia? <laughs> What's your um, I would say the low rise flares with platform <laughs> flip flops. Yep. That yes. was that was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, my pick is the three of them are in kind of the same theme, but different iterations of like the identical outfit and a, the favorite thing to do. And my childhood was just pick which one was my favorite. Destiny's Child did it. Whatever. That's my pick. <laughs> um, OK, what is the worst song, Amelia? Honestly, I love all this. I I guess the actual real songs on this soundtrack, like real wild child and money like you know the Beatles who cares um those are the worst songs I agree agree. you're right uh we have to talk about backdoor lover (laughs) yes we do (laughs) we almost made it through the segment without doing it so the whole the movie starts out like Amelia said with this introduction to du jour which is like the huge boy band at the time and they're singing a song called backdoor lover uh which is (laughs) about exactly what you think it's about and it is very explicit. And obviously, it's just a riff on like, you know, these these young kids like singing these boy band songs and not knowing what they're about. Uh, but it's honestly pretty funny. And you're so right about like preceding pop star Never Stop Stopping because that is absolutely like an Andy Samberg song. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, the du jour songs are the worst part of yeah. this. I, I like their vibe. I don't like the music that they... Really perform. bold choice to lead with Backdoor Lover, though, into this movie. I was like, Wow. <laughs> Okay. Agreed. Agreed. Um, What is the best song? My pick is Three Small Words. I like almost sang it earlier in this category. I feel like that's self-explanatory. Totally agree. Totally agree. (laughs) Amelia. I can't choose. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Honestly, I agree. Yep. Okay. What's the best cameo slash small role that went to a now known actor? Kate. I want to say that having... There are two actresses in this movie that have like the exact same energy and it's Missy Pyle and Parker Posey. And they both are just like these comedic villainous actresses. They're always like this 
sort of weird, weirdly sexy, like villain sort of henchwoman in all these mm-hmm. movies. And I was almost confused by having them in the same movie because either one of them could have just like swapped roles and done the exact same thing. <laughs> Missy yeah. Pyle is, le- is less of a villain. She's just kind of a side character, but they yeah. just kind of have that like weird energy. And I just, I love them both. And it was just an embarrassment of riches to have them both in this movie. I agree. They have the same vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, my pick is he appears for 20 seconds. It's <laughs> Eugene Levy, which yeah. he was well known at the time. He was big American pie moment. Um, <laughs> also for Terry Reed. But yeah, he appears for 20 seconds in some intro video. And I'm like, oh my God, Eugene Levy. It's nice to see him all, you know, a little bit younger. It's like <laughs> such a like star role. Like it's very, you're very clearly supposed to be like, oh my God, they got Eugene Levy for this movie. <laughs> yeah. And watching it now, it was like the George Clooney bit in Spy Kids. Like, yeah. you know, where it, like it's a cameo at the last minute. Like he plays himself in this, in this like instructional video. And I was yeah. like, Eugene Levy. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> sure. Sure. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Let's keep moving. Last category is Tea Time's unanswerable questions. Amelia, I love the vibe of yours. I love talking about like a non-pop culture related <laughs> thing at the end of this pod. Thank Do you. it. What's your question? Um, okay. So with everyone getting vaccinated, I hope everyone listening is signing up to get vaccinated. Uh, where is your next dream travel destination? Because I feel like we've all been cooped up with restrictions and now we're just like, life is short. I want to do something. <laughs> Kate, what's your pick? Uh, I mean, very boring. I would like to get back to LA at some point. <laughs> That's your uh, ideal travel dream travel destination. Uh, my other, I mean, it's hard to think beyond the ones that I've like been waiting for for a year. The other mm. one that I've been waiting for is the uh, Spotify employee trip to Sweden. Ooh. I was promised over a year ago uh, tea time. <laughs> company-sponsored trip to Sweden. Tea Time takes Sweden, like very Mary-Kate and Ashley. Oh, my God. Uh, and we have not that had that experience yet. So the Tea Time Sweden trip is the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we should do like Mamma Mia that week or something. You know, like ABBA, <laughs> Swedish icon. Always thinking about content. <laughs> you know how I do. Um, you know what shame. I really want to travel to? I have this dream of being poolside or beachside. It doesn't matter. Somewhere Ooh. warm. And someone brings me a pina colada, like a, in a glass <laughs> that has like a pineapple cut in it. Oh, I've been thinking about that for so long. I've never even like had that experience fully, but I just dream that there are places like that that will do that. And that just sounds so nice. Like something cold when Ooh. you're sitting on somewhere warm, you know? I mean, you live you're in LA. So, right. so Man, it's it different. Like you could have that experience right now. Are you, you joking me? Go to Santa Monica Beach, get a knife? No, that's my dream. (laughs) Amelia, what's your answer for this? (laughs) I do think that sounds really nice with the pina colada. Um, That sounds wonderful. It sounds like, oh my God, like falling asleep in the sun. Oh my God, like (laughs) walking into the ocean. Oh my, and yes, I know you can do that. In Santa Monica, but let's yes. I, I'm thinking you, like you PG should or something. Different vibe. <laughs> yeah, or, go in the yeah, water don't there. Do that. Um, yeah, uh, anywhere like that takes a day to get to. You know? <laughs> Just yeah. Just anywhere. Before we started recording, Amelia was getting really hyped about the Minnesota State Fair. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, I that assume too. that's on your list. And that too, of course, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. Um, my question, and it's also like a quarantine con related question. And I will say a little behind the scenes of those listening. Sometimes when we have nothing to check in with and it's like Thursday morning or Wednesday night, I always suggest tea time checks in with tea time. And we do a little like, <laughs> how are we intro? And it always gets shut down. Kate and Amelia always have actually something creative to do instead. But I always suggest it. Oh. Just like a checking in with ourselves. But anyway, so I like the vibe of these questions. My question for you guys is what is like our hair situation now that we're kind of getting on the other side of the world? Because Kate, you've gone through a big hair transformation. Amelia, you too. Your hair is so freaking long now. And I feel like in the beginning of quarantine, we're like, we could do anything. We could chop it off. We could die. We could. And now we're like approaching the time where we have to reemerge in a society. Um, it reminded me Chrissy Teigen just dyed her hair pink like this week. Granted, oh. she can change it at a moment's notice. But <laughs> what are you guys doing now that we're like kind of on the other side, getting to the other side? Kate? Do you, are you asking because you feel pressure to be like come out of quarantine like a butterfly, like not yes. the same person that you were? Yes. Yeah. 
I get that too. I think I'm probably going to go back to straightening my hair. Really? <laughs> but you get so much attention on your curls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's not in real life. They're just really labor intensive. We'll see. <laughs> I also might just chop it all off. Um, oh my God. That's, I think actually I probably will cut it like significantly after my brother's wedding in October. But that's like my... Sure. Journey. How You've heard so much about my hair. You don't care. What are you guys going to do? <laughs> Everybody cares about your hair. That's Seriously. the point of the question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amelia, what are you going to do? Are you going to chop it? Dye I want it? to because this is like, oh my God, it's like wearing a heavy blanket. And also, mm. it's just like, you know, when your hair gets long enough to a point where it's just like, it just doesn't look fresh. It's just like, yes. this is just stagnant yeah. and probably <laughs> dying. <laughs> And I feel like I've more than reached this part and should just chop some of it off. I'd like to mm. donate it to, mm. you know, locks of love. But as much as I want to, I also am like, whoo, this is a lot of hair. It's a lot of <laughs> hair to donate. And I don't know if I can do it. So. Amelia, you and I, we always, I feel like we are, go on the same journey where like our hair is short and then we spend a long time growing it out. And then as yeah. soon as it's long, we're like, actually, I would like it to be short. So then you spend <laughs> most of your life in the awkward growing out process where it's yes. never long nor short and it never looks like you want. So never. I, I'm with you too, where I'm like, maybe I should enjoy it while it's really long. But then I know as soon yeah. as I start having to go into the office every day and style it every day, I'm going to be like, this cannot continue. I, exactly. <laughs> so I, we're in the same boat. I might donate mine too. We'll see. Liz, what are you going to do? Man, I can't do anything with my hair. It just sits there no matter what I do. You guys I think have it like, looks good. like hair to work with. Mine has just looked the same since I was in the eighth grade. Yeah. You should dye it. You should go blonde. Blonde Liz no, Kelly. I've been told that, but I've never dyed my hair. So like, I don't know. I mean, never goes try back it. To the... It's just hair. I mean, I have dumb brown hair. I don't know what I'm... It's not you precious in any life. way, but... You can't go through life never having dyed your hair. I That's... like your hair color. Um, but you, Amelia. It, if you want I it... I do Amelia. No, I'm not saying... No, I didn't mean it like God. that. I'm just saying that, you know, if I, I think it's a beautiful chocolatey brown. And I uh, my only thought for you is that if you were to dye it platinum, you know what happened. You've seen America's Next Top Model. I have. What? Did it I fall out? It, well, it, it burned some girl's scalp. Yeah, Don't scare her out. I'll okay, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. like skin. I'm not going platinum. I would maybe lighten it to make me <laughs> like not a Lauren, as like, like a Lauren Conrad, ooh, like beach ombre? blonde style. That's what I'm yeah, seeing. For that you. requires cool. bravery, which I don't know that I have. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. Okay, let's wrap it up. Kate, what's your final question? My question is based on a lot of prompt tweets that were circulating Twitter this week. Uh, it started out and said, who plays your parents in your biopic? And you were supposed to quote tweet it with two pictures of actors or actresses that you felt either like looked like your parents, had the vibe of your parents, uh, or you just wanted to play your parents in your biopic. <laughs> uh, and then off of that, people started saying, who plays you in your biopic? Which some of these choices I would, I mean, I'm about to say mine, but some people are like, Actually, Emma Stone would play me in my biopic. And I'm like, would she? Is that realistic? <laughs> uh, maybe it is. And my choices are not realistic. Uh, so my uh, my unanswerable question is, who would play you and or your parents? Whatever you can think of wow. in your biopic. I'll start since I have my answers prepared. My parents. My mom would be... Uh, my, my mom listens to this podcast, so I took a lot of time to think about this. Uh, my mom would be Robin Weigert, who you may have seen play the therapist on Big Little Lies. Uh, oh, she's been in a lot of stuff. She has the right vibe of like competence and warmth, but also like can, like can get shit done, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I felt like that was the right vibe. And then I decided this is a little tough for my dad because he's a lot older than my dad and he looks a lot older than my dad. But I went with <laughs> Tracy Letts, who just kind of has he's the dad in Lady Bird. Uh, he's done a lot of other stuff. He just has the right like goofy vibes, you know, mm. I, and I felt like looks were an age were less important than just like the right energy. Sure. Um, and then for me, I chose Lizzie Kaplan, which is just wildly oh, unrealistic and fun. also <laughs> age wise, just not well, right. Uh, never. But yeah, you know, self-indulgent. It's fine. Who would you guys pick for either of those categories? <laughs> I think my mom would be big nose icon Catherine Hahn because I need someone <laughs> who's brunette. Um, you and went also with Catherine be, Hahn for your mom? 
Oh my yeah. God, I've, I've got to meet your mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, my mom's blonde. So I'm just talking about like the gen, like what I look like in a movie. But I guess if okay, we're doing like, okay. I could bring a blonde actress for my mom. I don't I know. Just, this is hard on the spot. On, I wasn't saying that based on hairstyle. I just, when I think about your mom, Catherine Hahn energy is just not, obviously, I just have not met her. So I my mom looks nothing like Catherine Hahn. So <laughs> Why did you choose good. her? <laughs> I heard this question for the first time 10 seconds ago. And well, I really big nose actresses. So I don't know. <laughs> Amelia, do you have an answer on the top of your head? <laughs> big nose um, actresses? <laughs> I, I should have done that too. Sorry, go ahead. It's stressful. Just it is stressful. With um, no prep. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was on the outline for hours. It's I'm my sorry, own fault. I know. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, but I will say that I did see <laughs> Josh Gad do this and he did <laughs> Sally Field and Danny DeVito, which I thought was really funny. And usually I don't like Josh Gad, but I thought that was really funny. That was pretty good. Oh my um, God. Maybe Kate Blanchett for my mom. I don't know. Ooh. I have to meet both your moms. Oh, wait, wait, I, I want to pick Kate Blanchett for my mom. I, I yeah, met Amelia's mom. mom. She's wonderful. Actually, that fits. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Great question. Kate. Good prep, you guys. Thanks for reading the outline ahead of time. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Um, that's it for this week. That's a wrap. I'm sweating. Uh, I know. Me too. I'm so hot. Okay. Um, thank you, Kaya, who has to now re-listen to this entire thing and edit it. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, and thank you all for listening. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Alwal. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.